0: This weekend is the Feast of Christ the King, a feast that reminds us that we shouldn't have anything more important in our lives than Jesus Christ. He is the King. He is the Lord. We need not be afraid of anything if we put Him first. That is why a few years ago Pope Francis moved the yearly celebration of Diocesan Youth Day also known as World Youth Day in the local churches to the Feast of Christ the King. To be clear, World Youth Day is celebrated every year in every local church around the world on the Feast of Christ the King. Not to be confused with the large international World Youth Day, which is celebrated every three or four years. As for every World Youth Day, the Pope gives us a theme and a message and for this one this year it's all about hope. In fact, it's all about rejoicing in hope. What a great reminder for us who sometimes need that encouragement. As Christians, we are a people of hope, and because of that hope, we are also a people of joy. You can't have one without the other. In his message, the Holy Father invites us all to be like lights shining in the night, to nurture our hope in prayer, especially when we feel surrounded by fear, doubt, and anxiety. On this Feast of Christ the King, let's resolve to be a people of joyful hope, and to bring that joy and hope to everyone around us. I'm Deacon Pedro and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and I'm here all by myself this week. I guess people are busy getting ready for Advent or something. Maybe, maybe there's too much celebrating for Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? How do you celebrate it? Of course, in Canada, we celebrate Thanksgiving on the second Monday of October, but we like it when it's American Thanksgiving because we are reminded that every day is a good day to be grateful and we also get the Black Friday sales. This week Marie-Claude Lalonde of Aid to the Church in Need returns with their segment, Where God Helps, this time to tell us some good news actually, but we will also get an update on the situation in Israel and Gaza. We have to remember that Catholic Church partners are some of the few organizations that are offering relief and aid in that region. So we're going to see how they are doing. That's where God helps in about five minutes. And then Danny Torquia and his wife Antonia will be here with rearing rebels in the domestic church. They will have more tips on how to raise your children to be countercultural. We always look forward to hearing from Danny and Antonia. That's Rearing Rebels in about 15 minutes. And then, in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Deacon Kevin Martin Jr. from Boston, whose father died of ALS only one month after his diagnosis. Deacon Kevin struggled with grief in a way that he didn't expect it, and it was in focusing on his father's life lessons that he found healing. This is all now a book titled All Is Well, Life Lessons from a Preacher's Father. And so we're going to be speaking with Deacon Kevin Martin Jr. in our second half hour. That's in about 25 minutes. And then we're going to meet uh, one half of a singing duo uh, who came out of the Vigil Project that you might be familiar with, Um, Andrew Ferguson and Sophie Salopek, are a band they call themselves the dwell but we're only going to be speaking with andrew ferguson today and also we're going to get to listen to some of their exceptional music Um, so that's andrew ferguson of the dwell at the end of the program in about 45 minutes and uh, if you're not going to be around remember that you can always go to our website slmedia.org click on podcasts and that's where you can listen to all our programs you can also get The Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. So, here is, to start us off, The Dwell with their song, Fade, from their album, Honest.
1: I love to stare into the morning sun And feel it press its face upon my skin. Reminds me of the comfort in your touch. Makes me long to hold your hand again. It's so beautiful. I wish it would never.
0: That was The Dwell with their song Fade from their album Honest. And The Dwell is Andrew Ferguson and Sophie Salopek. And we're going to be speaking with Andrew Ferguson at the end of the program. So I hope that you'll still be around for that. And now it's time for... Where God Helps with Marie-Claude Lalonde from Aid to the Church in Need, Canada... Marie-Claude, welcome back, bienvenue. Thank you. It's good to see you. Um, and, I'm, and I'm excited because you have good news. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing the good news. But before we thought we, if you could give us an update, because I know you still have uh, very active partners in Israel and in Gaza, and in the well, in the whole region. But if you can give us an update about how they're doing.
2: Yes, of course. The most problematic region is Gaza. Mm-hmm. Because they're under, they're they're being bombarded constantly, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of Catholics went to their parish to seek refuge. Mm-hmm. So you have 750 people uh, in the church compound uh, trying together to survive to the situation. Uh, they're having mass every day uh, mm-hmm. as a source of uh, comfort. Mm -hmm. And um, now the problem is food and clean water. Mm -hmm. That's what they're missing at the moment. Uh, Humanitarian aid is coming in, but in small small quantity. So uh, hopefully they will be able to feed themselves uh, for the coming days. And the bombarding is closer and closer to the parish where they are located.
0: And these are... It, is it mostly Catholics that have sought refuge in the church, or are there non? I would imagine that there are also, also probably non-Catholics that are seeking refuge there.
2: Probably non-Catholics too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you? Because I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that the partners that you have in Gaza, it, it, they're most—they're not partners. I mean, they're partners in terms of the help that you provide them because of the mm-hmm. parishes and the schools. And I understand the school had to close. The holy, the sisters of the Rosary. Oh, it's it's, it's
2: been bombarded. Yeah. So the school is no longer usable.
0: So are you through partners outside of Gaza able to get aid in? How is how is that how does that work?
2: That's always a complicated matter <laughs> and yes. for security reasons I cannot oh, okay. uh, explain in detail what's going on, but yes, we've been able to help them.
0: Okay, so it is possible if people, I mean, obviously, uh, if people want to support and they want to know that their support is going through a Catholic organization, they can still support Aid to the Church in Need and you have ways through partners in the whole region to, to get the assistance where it needs to go.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, is there anything else you can tell us about the situation outside of Gaza or anything like that, that it might be interesting to, I, to our listeners? Yeah,
2: I know in the West Bank, it's very difficult because the people of the West Bank, uh, the Christians, mm-hmm. they tend to work outside the, the West Bank. So they work in Bethlehem or mm-hmm. Jerusalem. And now the the armed forces are around uh the West Bank and they cannot go yes. out. Yeah. And if they cannot go out, they have no jobs and they can't support their families. Right. So uh there it's also a source of concern. Yes. where aid to the church in need will uh, will certainly help.
0: And you are able to it would it be easier to get the assistance into the West Bank or yes. I mean, yes, yes. It would be. Okay, so thank you for that little update. Um Good news, a uh, a, a cause for canonization is open.
2: Yes, very good news. It's uh, in India mm-hmm. and uh, they had violence at the end of 2007, beginning of 2008. It was a very, very difficult moment. And now mm-hmm. the good news is that those who lost their lives in that uh, violent episode, are going to uh, the the core the the cause for the sainthood is open. Okay. So it's cateswal uh, digar and companions, and the first step is already done. They were declared servants of God by the Vatican.
0: Okay, so um, I vaguely remember early 2008. Uh, uh, I believe extremists attacked Christians in in India. Can you remind us a little bit about what happened?
2: Yes, there was a um uh, um someone who was killed uh, in, an important figure for Hindu people that was killed. The um Hindus accused the the Christians, okay, of the of of the murder. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it was the Maoists who did it, oh. and they even claim responsibility for it. But at the same time, Uh, Christians were forced out of their homes, Um, more than 50,000 had to flee, almost 5,000 houses were destroyed, 400 churches and 105 dead. And some reports even say that it could be 500 rather than 100. It's difficult to have precise uh, figures, plus all those injured in in these uh, violence.
0: And I understand that even after people had to flee their homes, they went into the woods or into the hills, and even then they were they were persecuted, and and the massacre occurred in the it forest. It occurred, yeah.
2: yeah, it occurred in the forests, in the villages, um, and uh, those who fled, um, for some it was very difficult to come back home because they were living among uh hindus for others it was easier because the vi- the village for instance was christian and yeah. so they could go back there it it was easier but i went there in 2016 okay uh, 8 years after the facts and um It was still visible. The trauma was still visible. The pain was still visible. Mm -hmm. Although they had, you know, reconstructed many uh, Christian infrastructures. So Mm -hmm. be it schools, uh, chapels, or convents, everything was working. But still, it was very, very visible. the, The scars of that violent episode. Uh, I think time will do its its job and mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, to be better. But the fact now that these um, people who lost their lives in the violence, um, the fact that they're on, on the way to sainthood, I think it's going to be a huge source yes. of hope for all the Christians in the region uh, especially the Catholics. It's it's going to be like a beacon of light uh, to guide them in that. Uh, that the, yeah. In healing. Yes, yeah. exactly. In healing. In in healing. Yes. Yeah. I think it's going to help. And their it Bishop, is. Uh, Mr. Barwa, was a very, very nice man. I had the occasion to uh, spend time with him and he was very concerned for his people wanting justice for them. Okay. And, He was working hard to still, eight years after the facts, help and protect those who were affected.
0: Yes. Okay. So that's really, really good news. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but servant of God, Kanteswar Digar, and companions. Do you know? So is it all 100 companions or however many? Do we know? I don't know
2: exactly. I haven't read the documents. I just got the news and I was overjoyed with that (laughs) i know
0: it's it's fresh fresh off the press these new this news um so i'm sure we'll hear more about that um as the cause develops um marie claude thank you for sharing that news with us and also thank you for giving us a little bit update of what you can tell us from what's happening in gaza
2: thank you
0: marie claude lalonde is the national director of aid to the church in need canada you can find out more about to the Church in Need. If you're in Canada, acn-canada.org. And if you're in the United States, churchinneed.org. Hi, I'm Taylor Tripodi, and this is the Salt and Light Hour with
3: Deacon Pedro.
0: You want to connect with us? Email me, pedro, at esomedia.org. You can find me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also on X, or Instagram, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... Rearing Rebels Through Our Domestic Church with Danny and Antonia Torquia. Welcome, you guys. Welcome back to the program.
3: Hey, Deacon Pedro. Nice to be with you.
0: I guess you've been busy. You've been busy today, but I'm I'm, I'm very excited about this topic today because we spoke about prayer last time. Yes. So today, what are we talking about?
3: Well, um, from last time, I, I still have the incense uh, aroma <laughs> in my mind because we're talking about different types of prayers, uh, but today we want to talk about the corporal works of mercy and how oh, in our okay. conjugal couple, uh, we we really um, make it a point to doing stuff together and how, like, Antonia and I have a very different style because... I, I applaud her vision of things, which is very much in the beauty of the domestic, like our family life, like our family to be ho- holy. Well, we need to have a, a clean, ho- a home that's relatively clean. She would say clean. I would say relatively clean. We need to have, you know, a menu. The kids need to have a lunch when they go to school, clean clothes, um, a neat, a the nice. Basics, ho- the basics, right? A- the
4: basics. Yeah, just the basics. <laughs>
3: I under you I have to say and overlook that all the time. Yeah, i yeah. I'm I'm interested in like putting a cape on and going to the local shelter doing going to a food bank helping with, getting my hands dirty and showing the kids that we're helping the the poor literally in front of you a stranger. Right. Sometimes right, right. me and Antonia and I can conflict have conflict over our approaches. Okay. Can I just,
0: before we go into a little deeper here uh, so that it doesn't turn out into marriage counseling um, Uh for people who might be wondering, what are the corporal works of mercy? Can you just, let's just start there. What do you mean by corporal works of mercy? What is that? Hey, aren't
3: you a deacon? No, I know what it is, but what <laughs> No, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's def- it's helping the, the it's clothing those who don't have clothing, it's giving food to those to who are hungry. hungry. Yes, it's, it's mourning. Maybe that's spiritual works, but it's 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 really can you compliment what I'm missing here? It's oh you're right. So we have the spiritual works of mercy,
0: and prayer and things like that, and then the yeah. corporal works of mercy. So, in fact, the fact that last week you were talking about prayer, that's very much spiritual works, right? Mm-hmm. Corporal works. So, so the, the gospel passage that comes to mind is Jesus. Saying when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. So that's that's what you're talking about. So right, burying the dead. Exactly. that Yes. Yeah, so-
4: being with the Spanish background, the corporal really makes me think of like cuerpo, the word uh, yes. body. You know, so so really meeting those like Danny was saying, those basic uh needs of the body, right? Clothing. That's exactly. Um, shelter, feeding, uh doing those works of mercy for the body, right? right. Yeah.
0: So if I can just then the distinction, Danny, that you made between you and Antonia, it sounds like Antonia is very focused on corporal works of mercy in the home to the people in her family. And you're kind of more external works of mercy in the community.
4: I would disagree with that.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's that's why you're here. That's why
4: why you're here. (laughs) But but I do agree. My, um, the works of mercy, the corporate works of mercy that I would be um, attracted to or wanting to get involved in are usually those that involve children or family Mm -hmm. because because of my own experience, Um, because I feel like that, you know, I want to make a difference in the life of a child um or of a mother who's struggling on her own okay so for Danny like I think the maybe the circle of who he's touching grows wider I'm a little bit more like the families locally in our community Mm -hmm. or the children that you know go to our children's school that maybe don't have specific opportunities that type of thing whereas uh Danny wants to go like bigger and wider with that circle so it's it's a good balance it's because good balance. We,
3: they're both needed. Yes,
4: right, exactly, exactly. A- and you exactly. know what?
3: And, and if we don't, uh, but but Antonia's approach helps us, uh, me in particular, because it, it that her corporal works, uh, her vision, it can be lived daily. In mm-hmm. fact, it it's lived all day whereas for me it's like i love a big fundraiser to help persecuted christians in the yes. middle or, yes. or, or some this disaster relief fund right. and you can't do that every day you're going to bring right. yourself out and neglect key people at home yeah okay. so together we're trying our best and then at the end of the day sometimes we're we're, we're not so proactive and we I, I love having my children there to remind me that we're doing it for them. I mean, and they're, they're our source of motivation. So we want them to get to heaven and we want them, their, their help to get ourselves to heaven. So I find that together, we're all helping each other out.
0: Okay. Of course. So how does it work with the kids then? How are they doing with, with getting on board with doing those works of mercy? Are they more local or more
3: universal? Yeah. I think it's going to kick me under the table, but, but they they dislike doing laundry and dishes as much as I do. They'd rather the (laughs) fundraiser.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, so no, I think they're good. No, they, they've joined us at events. They've seen daddy and mom working on like table settings and fundraising galas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they they're very curious when our money goes like if we raise ten thousand dollars for people in Egypt uh, that are uh need help, they get excited. Uh at home, well, we've done a lot of like family activities where we we invite people in the community to go to like a family fun night. Okay. And there might only be three, four families, but our kids are there like co-animating the night with us and having a cheerful spirit and helping us. Yeah,
4: I would say I agree with Danny. I think, you know, and it might not be that we're asking if they want to do it. It's a little bit more like, this is what we're doing. (laughs) Friday
3: (laughs) nights after dinner, we're going to host. But
4: yes, letting, you know, having them involved in those activities that we do choose to participate in. um, You know, myself, if it's the family fun nights, or if it's something that I'm doing with the Catholic group at my church, you know, having the children be involved um, in that, but, you know, participating with me saying, hey, my kids can move boxes or, you know, I'll bring my kids along so that they can be involved. Mm -hmm. And Danny as well, making sure that they understand, you know, if we are doing a fundraising dinner, who are we helping? Where is this money going? And, you know, how will it impact the community um, that it's going to? Um, So educating them, right? Like, so if they are not necessarily able to attend the gala dinner or fundraising dinner uh, we do make sure that they understand this is what we're spending our time on and this mm-hmm. is why it's important.
3: Well, you know we do that was that term i was voluntold like we do a, a lot, lot of, of telling yeah. with our kids. it goes well, with educating. yeah well
0: that's why you're the parents and they they are not um, <laughs> but, but, but to your point danny and this is really st- uh, struck a chord with me that part of the reason why you're doing it is also to teach them that this is important to do so yes, yeah. you're helping the the people in Egypt or the people at the food bank in your community, but you're also teaching your children that this is important and getting them involved. Whether yeah, they like I,
3: it or not. I, I would say fifty or sixty percent of the time, I'm authentically uh, motivated by myself with my holy my, my conscience to do these things, but perhaps thirty or forty percent of the time, I do it because I know yeah. I I want that for them when they get older,
5: mm-hmm. yeah, of and course. it
3: motivates me to get over myself and my inhibitions or my fatigue, my tiredness to do this work, even if it is just chores and cleaning up the the, the bathrooms on a Sunday or a Saturday. For, yeah. with my I,
0: and I would say that statistically that, that that shows that children that grow up in families that are engaged in activities like these um, or that do the, you know, that are uh, do chores around the house or around the farm grow right. up to, be caring and wanting to do more of that kind of volunteering uh, as well, because that's just part of their family culture.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have this. uh, At the end of the day, we're all together in this, and and we're not a family that's closed to itself. We have to be and want to be in communion with others in our community. Yeah. uh, All right. That
0: sounds great. Corporal Works of Mercy in the
3: home, whether it's (laughs) doing the laundry or doing a fundraiser
0: for Egypt, they're all good. Thank you, guys. Uh, It's so good to see you. Likewise. Thank hey, you, Deacon. Thank you. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Danny and Antonia Torquia are the parents of four children. Danny is the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on X at Dan Torquia, and you can learn more at DialogueAndGrace.com. Coming up in our second half hour, Deacon Kevin Martin tells us what he learned from his dad, and we meet Andrew Ferguson of The Dwell. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Kevin Martin Sr. died only one month after he was diagnosed with ALS. Over a thousand people attended the wake and funeral. But his son, Kevin Jr., struggled with a bottomless grief. Neither his father's example nor his own faith as a permanent deacon fully equipped him to cope with the loss. That is the story of All is Well, Rooted in the Beatitudes, it is a story about family, miracles, and baseball, rites of passage, bucket lists, and love. The book offers insights into leadership, marriage, parenting, resilience, practicality, suffering, giving, forgiveness, joy, and savoring the little things in life. And so to tell us more, I am now joined by Deacon Kevin Martin Jr. Deacon Kevin, welcome to the Salt and Light
5: Hour. Andrew, thank you so much thrilled to be here
0: yeah it sounds like Thank same here and, and it was a, a pleasure to read the book it sounds like your
5: sounds like your dad was a great guy he was a great guy and um, we spent years working together in years vacationing together and years living in the same two-family house in, in in Southie, and uh just a lot of quality time so we were very very close my my four kids were very close to him and my mom very special
0: relationship. Yeah, what a great blessing to have that kind of relationship with. I mean, with both your parents, not just your, your your dad. And you mentioned Southie. That's uh, in Boston, right?
5: That's right. Is, I, I grew up as an inner city kid. If you saw the movie Goodwill Hunting, yeah, I'm um, right. Uh, my me and my family are right out of Central Casting from that movie.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we can we can we can hear your accent. Um, there was one thing that really really struck with me from reading the book, and it was about. The grief that you say that you experienced through your father's illness and even after his death and that it just took you by surprise. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
5: You now it's funny I think like anybody unless you're in somebody's shoes it's so hard to relate. Yeah. I think of the deacon all the times all the funerals I've assisted at, celebrated all the funeral homilies I've given, all the times I've spent in hospice and visiting the hospital and, and 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 sadly, you leave that hospital room, or you leave that funeral parlour, and uh, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. You get the text, and you family yeah. said, "Don't forget to pick up the pizza," yeah. and life kind of continues on. And uh, it was just something I had never experienced before. And I think, you know, my sense from reflecting on it myself and just talking to so many people is that um, Greece has no rules. Yeah. You, you know, to give yourself a pass. In you can buy a book, in talk to a friend, but everybody's experiences is, is different. I think mm-hmm. if we accept that uh, my experience might be different than yours, who might be experience whose experience might be different than a, a common friend or a neighbor, I think we end up with a little bit of. That's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather than trying to walk in somebody else's shoes and say this is how it's supposed to work, I think it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah, and no one's immune, even deacons, right? Yeah. Is it is it true then that while you were working on your on the homily for your father's funeral, that that was the beginning of the healing for you?
5: You know, it, my father died at a complicated time. You know, he had never been sick. And it took a year to diagnose the ALS. And I had this of nowhere. And um, I had thought he had decades left. And when he died, it was just so sudden. And then six months later, the pandemic set in. And I think the pandemic didn't help. I think from the perspective, we were isolated from friends and work colleagues. I had kind of separated from going to my gym and being involved in yeah. volunteer activities. So I think the grieving process started before he died because I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually through writing the book uh, that, that would started out as a journal, a grief journal. That mm-hmm. uh, I was writing just for me, so I didn't forget him. I didn't want my kids to forget him. Not that we, we would, but I think just writing down the stories. What was interesting is that the 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 writing became probably uh, themes. Themes became chapters. The chapters became a book unknowingly. Uh, so there's no question that to, I I would say journaling that that's where the healing process started. I would say less so writing that homily, but to your point, in hindsight, that probably in many ways became the, the outline of the book without even realizing it at the time. Yeah,
0: interesting. And 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 you were reflecting obviously on all these life lessons. And I don't want to go through a, a, you know too many of these lessons because people can get the book, and we want them to get the book. But I'm I'm interested in knowing specifically what your dad taught you while he was in that hospital bed about suffering.
5: You know, suffering, I get asked, we all get asked about suffering. Why did God let this happen? Why did God allow the earthquake? Or oh, my child died, my grandmother died. Why does he allow cancer? All these things. And It's the toughest question I get asked all the time as a deacon. Um, and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. And I think what I've come in my own faith and my own belief, is that God is not sitting there bored, saying, you know, I'll throw a little pandemic out there to keep things interesting. But I do believe that when we're at our lowest points, when we are able to stop and listen for Him, that He's always there. And it's at those moments that we're down and out that we sometimes, if we're listening the right way, that God swoops in. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there are those many times during our lives when like a parent with a child at the corner of the sidewalk who pulls that kid in and the accident never happens. Sometimes the accident doesn't happen, but sometimes it does. And I think when it does, for whatever reason, whether it's cancer or the tsunami uh, or ruled up evil, uh, that if if we listen to God and we try to Listening is the hardest thing we do. Yeah. Being quiet and being patient and being open-minded, open-hearted, is the hardest thing that we do. I think. I think when my dad was in the hospital, I tried to have that pause. And I saw him uh, really contemplative and meditative. That that you don't get out of here without suffering in some way. Maybe mm-hmm. is the beginning of life, the middle of life, the end of life. But I think that he really wanted to align himself with the cross. And he felt this was his way to be aligned with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the notion of one of his journal quotes in the hospital, when he was intubated, was, I must suffer more. Yeah. I think in his own way, for a guy who had not had a lot of suffering, suffering more meant he was going to get to heaven faster. Yeah. So I think that though he wasn't looking for suffering i think he accepted it and i think he felt very aligned uh with the cross in his suffering and, and of all the lessons of being practical and being resilient and, and, and what's the difference between uh happiness and joy and all these things but just trying to get my head around suffering was extremely valuable to me
0: mm-hmm. yeah i that's a that's a difficult one um, hearing you, hearing you talk about that experience in the hospital and him writing that he had to suffer more, um, kind of answers my next question. Cause it makes sense that your dad is someone who would say that all is well, and that's the title of the book. Why did you pick that title?
5: So, oh, a title on the actual book cover is my dad's handwriting. and So not the bottom part, but the top part, all is well, life lessons part is, scripted yes. Of you know, the, the cover of the, the designer, but all as well as his actual in uh, now, which has become the family tattoo, I've got it on my right arm. Oh, wow. daughter have got it on her side. My son's got it on his left arm. And so when my dad was in the hospital, uh, he was intubated
3: mm-hmm.
5: they for five days and he couldn't speak. So the, the nurses gave him a journal a legal yellow pad that's why the book looks the way it does it's got mm. that 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 notepad to it and he was writing notes and some of it were very rudimentary like where's the nurse or uh does anybody know the score of the baseball game yeah yeah. Game. yeah important things at the red Sox and the yankees playing tonight but other things were really just insights into that love and joy but after 32 pages of five days his very last writing in that journal was was all as well and it just kind of left me with this sense of peace, that he was at peace and it wasn't that I'm in pain uh, I'm scared, it was all as well and, and it just was very, very comforting to me and like that great Bible story where the uh, the Shumanite woman's son, son died yes. and she's asked about it responses is, it is well how mm-hmm. sad she was she had this certain faith that that it was going to be okay so i felt it with my, my dad's kind of final lesson of, of that all is well it's going to be okay and it's all so that's that larger lesson
0: there. yeah no it's a it's a wonderful lesson of hope that even those of us that know it are need to be reminded over and over again that all is well um deacon kevin um it's been really good to meet you and uh, and and loved reading the book thank you for writing it and for sharing your story and your dad's story with us today
5: thank you
0: so much that was a conversation i had with deacon kevin p martin earlier this week deacon martin is ordained in the archdiocese of boston his first book all is well is published by skyhorse publishing here now is The Dwell with Running from their album Honest.
1: I've heard your voice calling out my name. sounds so sweet, but I was still so afraid. I felt your hand Guiding me through the trees But my feet aren't sure As you made them to be So I roam through the desert to put a mountain between us and still Tired of running from you I'll rest in your grace, I'll fall in your arms but don't wanna run anymore.
0: That was the dwell with running from their album Honest. The Dwell is a singing duo comprised of Andrew Ferguson and Sophie Salopek from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Both Andrew and Sophie are on staff with The Vigil Project, which we've featured several times on this program. Both of them fell in love with music when they were younger, Sophie beginning vocal training in elementary school and Andrew learning multiple instruments beginning with piano when he was three years old. During the time in college, they discovered a deeper call to experience and express relationship with the Lord through the gift of music and began singing and leading worship together. Now they have an album titled Honest, which speaks to the many different moments of encounter with God in the Christian life of faith. And so, to tell us more, I am now joined by Andrew Ferguson of The Duel. Andrew, welcome to the Salt and Light Hours. Good to meet you.
6: It's great to meet you, Deacon. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So um, I do want to get to how you ended up on staff for the Vigil Project. And and you'll tell us a little bit about Sophie as well. But um, tell me a little bit about you. I mean, are you from Louisiana? Did you grow up in a Catholic family? Are you a musical family? Tell us a little bit about your background.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am from Louisiana. I'm actually from Lafayette originally. So part of uh, Cajun culture, as is Sophie.
0: Okay. Um,
6: so, yes, born and raised in, in Lafayette to, uh, to a wonderful family, wonderful parents, good, good Catholic, um, and, and just very, very strong people who I look up to a lot. And I think I owe a lot to them in terms of my faith formation. The funny thing is, I also owe a lot to them in terms of my musical formation, but not because they are musicians. They are not at all. <laughs> um, what okay. happened was when I um, when I was born, my um uh natal doctor or, or whatever it is essentially told uh told my parents that they anticipated that i would have very bad fine motor skills okay. like my fingers and, and and whatever would not work well um and so for that reason as well as a few others my parents decided to put me into piano lessons very young um and now all these years later unfortunately they've raised a professional musician so they've got to deal with that now no but, that's
0: wonderful yeah. so is that you are a? did you study music is that your your
6: i didn't uh, um and actually nor did sophie uh we both studied engineering in college
0: okay all right that's a whole other a whole other conversation there yeah um, so you you're a piano player when did you start i i suppose you might play other instruments but when did you start writing music oh goodness um like were you writing like really bad songs when you were 12
6: oh horrible horrible (laughs) Um, as bad as they get um (laughs) yeah i i probably started trying to write when i was maybe somewhere around there 10 11 something like that and of course nothing worth remembering praise the lord that i don't remember it because i probably shouldn't (laughs) shouldn't share those
0: and did you uh, sorry i was going to ask and did you uh were you i mean you you said you were brought up in a catholic family but were you sort of involved in the faith were you playing music in church or were you just kind of your music was a separate thing from your faith
6: uh i'm actually glad you asked that question because it was completely separate um i loved music i had a deep passion for music even from the time i was very young but it wasn't until Later, high school, maybe even college, that I that I realized that my passion for music was was truly based in a passion for encountering Jesus through beauty. Okay. And, and, and once I realized those things, um, my, my love for the Lord, my love for music, kind of joined and became one. And it, it made so much more sense to me. Oh, that's why that's why my heart is moved when I hear a piece of music that I love, or that's why I feel like. There's something deeper going on when I sit at the piano and just play something from my heart because that's a conversation that I'm having with the Lord even if there aren't words there. So yeah. to speak.
0: and even if the song or the music or the piece of music is not quote unquote
6: religious or sacred art, right? Sacred mm-hmm. music. Absolutely. Oh, being able um to to delve more deeply into uncovering the desire, the longing for Jesus in secular music. It's yeah. been Interesting. such a beautiful journey to see, especially as I, I didn't start as, as a uh, as a Christian musician. I mean, I when I really started playing a lot of music, I was playing in bars mm-hmm. uh, and I still love to do that from time yeah. to time. But um, yeah, to be able to to go in there and to see where the little where those little pieces of longing for the Lord are, even in the music that I love to play at the bar.
0: Yeah. So how did you end up working with the Visual Project?
6: So it was in college um, around that time that I was. You know, starting to put those things together mm-hmm. um, where I started leading worship at LSU um, at Christ the King mm-hmm. uh, with our student community over there. And, and it started in small ways. I had some friends who who knew I liked to play some and they would invite me to come and to uh, come to some worship sessions and play with them and adore Jesus together with them. And, and eventually I started running some of the teams on my own over there. Um, And by that time, the visual project and Greg started coming in to Christ the King, um, both to do musician retreats for the students and to do like um, one on one formation with some of the student musician leaders. And he approached me at some point throughout my my time at LSU and was like, hey, man, you should if you haven't before. You know i think you have a gift and you have a calling and you have an ability to to lead people towards jesus's heart in this way Mm -hmm. and maybe you should consider doing that um in a full-time sense after college and i heard that and i was like that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life no (laughs) way no one does that yeah and what's funny is like that was my heart's longing that was when when the vigil project first came to lsu i was like those are the coolest guys i've ever seen you know like that's the dream um and and so over time the lord just kind of worked on my heart and was like no i there is something deeper here and you've known it you know you've known it your whole life you've known it from the the second you sat down to the piano when you were a little kid like that that you relate to me in this way and i relate to you in this way and so i feel like he gradually continued to reveal that to me over time yes um yeah and, and that's,
0: that's how god works um and greg obviously greg boudreau is he's the founder of the visual project he, he and his wife lizzie have been on this on this program before so our listeners would maybe remember them um, so and you met sophie then working on the visual project
6: I actually met Sophie at LSU um, before
0: you knew her beforehand.
6: Yes. So we went to rival high schools back in Lafayette, but we weren't really friends at that point, Um, we we got a little more acquainted once we got to LSU and we were both kind of um, uh, helping with music around Christ the King. And um, this is actually outside of vigil when when I started doing a little bit more um, of like worship events outside of the school on my own. Um, I, I just kind of realized I was like, I'd rather do this with someone else. I feel like I'd rather have somebody to kind of share in this with mm-hmm. um, both for for my sake and for the sake of those that we're serving to serve them better. And so there was um, there was a retreat. I remember I was going out on and I was basically just like, hey, Sophie, you want to tag along? And we weren't really that close. We were we were uh, we were kind of friends at that point. But she just kind of said, yeah, sure. Right. Um, and It was funny to go out on that and to to lead with her there was something very very special um Mm. i think in that um yeah just just a special capacity to to encounter the lord in that particular Mm -hmm. relationship and so that's been awesome to
0: experience wonderful so why why do you call yourselves the dwell
6: what a great question um so the the uh the project of the dwell um essentially came from uh, song of songs somewhere around chapter eight where okay. the lord um kind of or the groom rather says uh refers to himself as he who longs to dwell in the heart of man mm-hmm. right Beautiful. um and so the the concept of the dwell uh, is kind of like trying to discover that that truth in all of these different aspects of life. And if you listen to the album, if you listen to Honest, you'll hear that there are these beautiful moments of prayer and worship. Like there are these moments that you could take into the Adoration Chapel with you. And then there are some that like, that aren't that. Um, Honest itself, it's like, it's a song of struggle and it's a song of of being realistic with yourself about, about our struggle to walk with the Lord sometimes. Yeah. and it's high energy and, and it's got driving drums and electric guitars and like it's probably not the song to take into the Adoration Chapel with you but it is a moment in our Christian life um and yeah. that's that, that's like that's what we were trying to express with the album is is like all of these different moments of prayer all mm-hmm. of these different moments of encounter with the Lord that happen all over the place in our lives that's mm-hmm. that's more realistic to how our experience with god is and so yeah. that was kind of like what the dwell is at trying to mm-hmm. uncover all those different times that he wants to say i want to dwell within you
0: beautiful that's that's so beautiful um and we're going to end the program with that song honest so just just finally because we're running out of time do you who does most of the the, the writing do you compose together is that how does that process like
6: yeah um so sophie and i wrote uh i think most of the songs together we actually didn't like sit down and say i want to write an album let's write an album we just started writing together for fun Mm -hmm. there there was no intention to publish anything in the beginning and um and because of that that's kind of what led to all of these very different moments and these very different songs which kind of compiled themselves into oh wait this really makes sense as a holistic picture for oh. our prayer lives yeah. and so yeah those songs were, were written together in my college apartment pretty much
0: wow uh, well it's yeah. amazing how god you might not think you you have an album but god had other plans and i guess it was good enough for greg and lizzie and the team to say hey this is we should publish this um andrew it's been really good meeting you i'm, I'm sorry that sophie couldn't join us but uh maybe if you guys keep writing and keep uh putting music out there we might be able to have both of you back on the show um thank you for what you're doing and uh, it's uh, great music and really enjoying what i'm listening to so i hope to to hear more soon awesome deacon thank you so much this conversation with andrew ferguson first aired on the sultanite hour in june 2023 you can learn all about andrew ferguson sophie celopek and the vigil project at their website the and if you missed part of our conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head on over to our website, slmedia.org podcast. Here now is The Dwell with the title track of their album, Honest.
1: My God I want to notice why I can't seem to be all right I'm not Giving up just yet But I'm getting too tired To fight Sometimes it feels like I'm talking to an empty room Tired of running and running Way too comfortable being halfway in. I'm not deeper. Deeper. the I'm climbing up is never.
0: We're listening to the dwell with the title track of their album Honest, and that will take us to the end of our program today. To listen to the full show, just go to our website esomedia.org slash podcast. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast everywhere. So no excuses for missing our show. Today, let's continue to pray for peace, peace in the Holy Land, peace in Ukraine. Let's pray for all those with degenerative illnesses like ALS and those who are dying. Let's also pray for young people on this Diocesan Youth Day and for all those who have to be reminded to put Christ the king first in their lives. May you stay safe, pray for each other, and take care of each other. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.
1: still